Hello everyone and welcome to episode 30 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your host Rachel and joining me is the movie that I thought was one kind of movie, but is actually a totally different kind of movie, Mars. Dirty 30. <laughs> oh, we are in the dirty 30s. Yeah. What? <laughs> All right, well. Our uh, podcast is getting so old. I know. I don't know. What can you do at 30? Like, is there any sort of, aside from it being 30 and the end of your 20s, is there any, like, rite of passage 30? Like, I know 40 I, is, like, over the hill. I think 30 is the age where you start, where you start to stop counting how old you are. Yeah, where you're like, wait, hold on. Am I 31 or 32? Or am I 33? Oh, shit, I'm 34. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? And then you're just kind of, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, it's like suddenly standing up, you make you make noises when you stand up. That's part mm-hmm. of turning 30. That happens on the day, your birthday on 30. Um, what else? Hangovers get worse. Yeah. You start having to con- seriously consider fertility shit, even though you know you don't want kids. But you're like, but. But what if? Should I freeze an egg? It's just, it's just a few. <laughs> just one. Um, I mean, just in case. You else? never know when children of men is going to happen. Right? All right. Well, um, we've gone off the rails and I like it. Like immediately. So, immediately. Okay. So today we're going to be reviewing a movie called The Box. It's one that I had picked. Um, it's a movie based on an episode uh, f- uh, from The Twilight Zone by Richard, written by Richard Matheson of I Am Legend fame. But then written and and directed, rewritten and directed by Richard Kelly, the director of Donnie Darko. So I really should have seen oh, this that's, coming. That's a, that's a, that's a weird. Right? Combination. But I mean, like, does this movie now make a lot more sense to you? With that reference? Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, because like, as I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck movie am I watching? This is wild. And then once, like, I came to the realization it was by the writer director of Donnie Darko, I was like, okay this all makes sense now yeah so i probably should have seen that coming i didn't so this is gonna be interesting episode before we get into all that mars do me a solid and remind the listeners of our spoiler policy our spoiler policy is that we're gonna spoil the whole thing the difference with this movie being that I don't know that either of us have a solid grasp on what actually happened. Right. So we're going to try to did spoil it. Did it even it. happen? I don't know. <laughs> we're going to do our best to spoil it, but I have no idea if we'll be successful. <laughs> Fair enough. We're going to give it the old college try, but it's I mean, up in the air at this if point. If anybody can spoil the movie, it's us. But this one may defeat us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel strongly that it might. <laughs> All right. So, how have you been? What have you been up to? I've been really good. Um, I feel like I had a a haunted house story to tell you that I was saving, but now I can't remember what it was. Uh oh. Oh, I do remember, and it's not a haunted house story, but I thought it was gonna be a haunted house story. Oh, okay. I was trying to watch. Okay, take it back further. My mom was watching Signs on TV. Ooh, okay. And I came in. It was the very end of the movie. You know where they're emerging from the spoiler alert i'm gonna spoil signs they're coming (laughs) people you've had enough time you've had like 20 years or something like that it's it's fine but it's when they're all coming out of the basement again and he puts the littlest colkin on the couch and then he's wheeling the tv back in and he turns around the aliens holding him you remember oh yeah so it was that scene 
And I couldn't remember if I was accurately remembering something on the internet saying that if you look closely, you can actually see the alien in the background when they're just kind of like, oh, everything's fine. They're dancing on the TV. Every We made it. But you can see them camouflaging somewhere in the what? scene. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Don't look that up because I don't know if I made that up or not. I have a vague memory of reading that somewhere, but I'm not sure if I did. Don't fact check me. <laughs> don't look it up. Just believe the words I say. I also, we have proof that I've slipped through at least two dark zones in the Colmarin. So, so who knows where I got that fact from. So anyway, I, knowing it was on HBO, <laughs> I went and I looked it up on HBO to like slow click through that scene to see if I could see it. Didn't see it. I think I maybe made it up. I don't know. Anyway, like a couple days later, I'm going through my lists, my cycles of what movie to watch. And what was next was that Mr. Rogers documentary. So I start playing the Mr. Rogers documentary and it opens with like this black and white footage of, of Fred Rogers. He's like kind of playing a piano and he's kind of talking about his philosophy with teaching children and like the way they think and how adults should treat them and act towards them and whatever. And there's like a weird like film flare because it's an old film, right? It's, you know, it's old film camera. There's like a weird flare and that sound that they have in horror movies. that's just like, you know, when Uh you hear something and I was like, well, that's weird. That doesn't seem to fit here at all. So I did the like 10 second rewind to before that flare and it goes through the flare again, but now it sounds like something's falling out, like, like a, a bunch of stuff's getting knocked off of a table. And I was like, what, what? the fuck? So I click 10 seconds back again, goes back before the flare. This time when the flare happens, I hear this voice go, wait. And I was like, no, 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 no. what no. is happening? Go and then, the machine. So I'm no. sitting there and I feel like I can't move. I'm just like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden it's that, that like signs music. And what happened was HBO, for some reason, was playing the audio from that scene and signs over Mr. Rogers. Oh my God. It starts doing that. Like that, that signs music. And I was like, where have I heard that before? And then I heard Mel Gibson go, Meryl, don't move. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Oh my God. I like, that is so scary. Yeah. Because so in between each of those first three sound effects was silence. So it wasn't even like when I paused Mr. Rogers and turned it back 10 seconds, there were other sounds happening that shouldn't have happened because Mr. Rogers was rewinding. It was silent. And then it was so weirdly perfectly timed with every time that flare came up that I was like, this ha- this only happens in horror movies where the audio changes. This is like some some rings bullshit right yes. here. And I really, really had, there were like a solid two minutes of my life where I was like, oh, fuck, it's happening. Oh my God. That's so scary. It was so scary. And it wasn't even like I started it and it was like veep sounds or something, you know? Like it it wasn't like the beginning of the office or something. Yeah. No. (laughs) It of course was like the, the scariest climactic scene in signs that was playing over this, you know, the lovely Fred Rogers being like, well, I just think that makes it even scarier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it was an experience. It was, yeah, I would definitely pee my pants. Yeah, it was a, there was, yeah, like I said, there was a solid like two minutes there where I was like, I'm for sure getting possessed or murdered tonight. For sure. Right? This, this is begins the next worst week of my life where I'm just going (laughs) to like my own reflections going to move out of mirrors before me and like no it's like I've seen the movies I know how this starts I know what's coming 
Like, you're going to get the full, like, Dybbuk box post Malone situation. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Luckily, I... though, it was just uh, an HBO glitch of some sort. Was it, though? Right? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Mars is choosing not to think too much about it. So that sounds like, um, yeah, that sounds like you've been up to some some shenanigans. Yeah. Um, I have a warm-up question. Um, okay. It's a pretty straightforward one. Obviously, this episode is about the box, which is, if you've ever seen the episode, the two versions of the episodes from Twilight Zones, it, like, these people get a mysterious visitor who has a box and tells them, like, if you push the button, you get a certain amount of money, but someone you don't know will die. And I wanted to know if someone showed up with, if you, you were the recipient of the box, would you push the button? No. Not even last week? No. No? Because I carry, so my father was Catholic. Uh-huh. I don't know if Catholic guilt is genetic, but I really think it is. Okay. So I carry guilt for a long time. Right. So even though it's someone I don't know, the knowledge that someone had died because of my decision to be greedy would haunt me forever. But also, and I wonder this all the time, whenever people get like, you know, in movies where like they rob banks and they're like, look at all this cash, I have a million dollars cash. Or like, you know, Ocean's 8 where they're like, oh, we have all these, you know. How do you pay for things like rent and like student loans with just right. bags of cash, right? People are going to ask questions if you just mail in a briefcase of cash to pay your student loans. They're like, there you go. We're all done, right? And they're like, this is not at all suspicious. We accept this as currency. <laughs> it's legal tender. That's not going to happen. <laughs> there are going to be a series of questions, and I'm not going to want to answer any of them. Yeah. So, I mean, even if I didn't have this genetic guilt issue, I still would be like, uh, I have a feeling someone from <gasps> oh the Oh my God. No. Oh, oh my God. Oh my, I don't even know how this happened. That just scared the shit out of me. Hold on. Okay. There is definitely a ghost in the machine. Are you still there? Yeah. All of a sudden, my iTunes, which wasn't even open, just started playing in my headphones. In a, um, a Stephen King audiobook. No! I swear to God, it started playing the Wastelands, Dark Tower the Wastelands, just started playing in my fucking ears. <sighs> my heart is fucking pounding. <laughs> There's a ghost in the machine, Mars. Oh you my just, God. It follows me. It, it just, you just, it follows me a ghost, like a, a audio playing ghost. Oh my God. My Mr. Rogers thing happened 48 hours ago. <sighs> I'm fucking scared of this shit. I'm, I'm not. I'm like shaking, because all of a sudden it was, there was a man shouting in my ears. Like, I did just. I did just. It follows you. I told you about it, and it became yours. My iTunes was not even open. Mars. This is like the ring. I shared the story, and it moved on to you. I've got to hurry up and tell somebody this. You got to tell someone. All right. So you would. You were saying you have Catholic guilt. You would not push the button. But also, I fear the government a lot, and I don't want to do anything that draws attention to myself or makes right. them want to ask me questions or look into my assets. And right. I especially don't want to tell uh, the IRS, like, yeah, no, uh, an old man showed up with a box and he told me that if I push this button, I'd get a million dollars. And that was definitely it. That's all there was to it. There was nothing right. about murder. Don't worry about it. It's just mine now. He said it wasn't going to be taxed. And that's a verbal contract, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there any scenario in which you would push the button? Mm, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I feel like probably there would be one. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you'd really have to need that money. Yeah. Because you'd have to outweigh, like, a lifetime of guilt against it. But, like, if the money was that important, then it would be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. There's, it would, it, it would require, like, absolute desperate scenario for me in order to push the button. There's no way I could just push the button to make my life a little cushier. Right. Yeah. And, like, I'm broke. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's no way. But there's no fucking way. Yeah, no, I've been unemployed since February. I, you know, and I still don't think I'd push that button. Like, I can't, I don't, I would not be able to enjoy the things that I purchased with it. I you definitely know? would, I mean, you'd definitely become a ghost after you died if you oh, pushed yeah, that button. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I guess it depends. If I knew who was going to be on the other end of the button, we could have a different conversation. Right, you know, and it's like, I mean, well, I know we'll get to it, but it's that conversation that Arthur and Norma have. Where he's like, what if it's a baby? And she's like, well, what if it's a death row inmate? <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's like, yeah, valid, you know? Or how, what does it mean to know someone? Do yeah. you really know anyone? I was like, ooh, twist. But yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I feel warmed up. I mean, my heart is warm. <laughs> how are you feeling? You ready to go into the review? I, I am truly warm because I've been drinking truly. Yeah. <laughs> Blueberry acai. How do you say that? Acai? Acai? Yeah. I think so. Acai. Yeah. What do acai even really taste like? Do we know? Um, I So I worked at a, a coffee shop when I was in college and then for several years after because I was in a, a very big, I'm just going to settle and party mood. It was early 20s. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was a Portland independently owned super small coffee shop. So we sold acai juice. Oh. And it was not great. All right. So the button. It was a me pick. And I picked it because it was a movie that I'm a podcaster that I really like he actually liked it thought it was interesting it was kind of a divisive movie you either really like this movie or you don't so i'd been curious about it for a long time i knew the source material because i'd seen the twilight zone episodes and i like richard matheson Uh, i had not i was not aware until i was actually watching the movie that it was directed by richard kelly who directed donnie darko so i was not expecting the movie that i got like i thought it was gonna be much more straightforward about like psychological thrill about whether or not to push the button yeah, and, like, um, the consequences of... But the button gets pushed, like, in twenty, the first 20 minutes, and then there's still, like, an hour and 40 minutes left. And I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going with this? So, so yeah, so that's how I ended up picking this movie. Um, and as I mentioned, it's directed by Richard Kelly from 2019, starring Cameron Diaz and her Virginian accent, and the always handsome James Marsden. Um, also stars Frank Langella as Arlington Stewart, who's the mysterious gentleman with the box. And a very young Gillian, uh, Gillian Jacobs yeah. from the community, who looks exactly the same. Right? Awesome. Alright, so tell us about this movie, Marge. Okay, so, uh, it starts with, like, a communique from, well, not from, it's like a, uh, transcript of, of events that have happened at Langley Air Force Base. Where they talk about someone who suffered burns and was resuscitated and was building a box and how he has plans on giving this box to civilians, but no one knows why. And so I was immediately confused because it's a very official seeming document and yet 
they seem unconcerned about stopping him at all. They're just like, yeah, he's doing this thing. We don't know why. Well, you know, but he's doing it, I guess. Yeah. And they just kind of let it go. Right. My first thought was, I was like, oh, it's MK Ultra. That's what this is going to be about. Ah. So I thought maybe it was like, because it's Langley is what, CIA? So I thought maybe there was some like shenanigans afoot. And Which, kind of I mean, there are, are kind of, yeah. maybe. There <laughs> yeah. might be. Yeah. I've watched the movie, and I'm only 60-40, maybe. <laughs> um. Anyway, and I literally just watched it a few hours ago, but I feel like so many weird things happen that I'm having trouble remembering the order. We literally just said that that was going to happen, and I was like, I just watched it. I'll be fine. And now I'm trying to go back. I'm like, I, wa- I started it at, like, 2 p.m. Yeah. And I can't. I think anyway. Do your oh best. no, it's, it's we'll be fine. It's basically it's like five forty four in the morning, and we see Cameron Diaz and James Marsden sleeping, and then five forty five hits, and there's a ring at the doorbell, and they find a box. Yeah, and this car drives away, and it's a Christmas movie. It turns out, yeah, happy I guess holidays. It kind of is a Christmas movie. I, I wonder if this is somebody's favorite Christmas movie. Like I always watch Die Hard every Christmas. I wonder if somebody's like time to get out the box. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> maybe this time I'll understand it. <laughs> Ten years and counting. This is the year I can feel it. (laughs) Uh, But so they get a box and they open it and there's like a button on the inside and a card that says that Mr. Stewart will be by at 5 p.m. And so they kind of just, nobody's really taking it that seriously. It's just kind of weird, right? And they're like, well, I guess we'll find out at 5 p.m. So from there we get a little bit of a glimpse into uh, what their their lives are. We find out that um, Norma... Cameron Diaz's character is teaching at the school that their son Walter goes to and that Arthur works at NASA and he's he helped develop this camera that takes these 360 photos on Mars was Mm -hmm. it yeah and um we get a glimpse into like a press conference where they're talking about the camera the Viking and um people start asking about NSA presence because mm-hmm. someone has a tip that someone from the NSA is on the NASA, you know, at campus on the, you know, at the NASA headquarters, whatever it is. And uh, Arthur's standing next to this reporter lady and he starts telling her about the camera, right? Yeah. I can't remember what he told her. He's just kind of talking to her about I mean, the you just kind of get the idea that he's sort of like a, a sciencey dude working at, 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 um, at NASA. Yeah. Yeah. And we find out that he's also trying to be an astronaut. Yep. Which kind of threw me because being an astronaut isn't just like, oh, you apply and then they ask, can you do, you know, whatever. It's like you have to have a background for years and like you have to be a pilot, right? Don't you have to be a pilot? I don't know. If you're going to be, a, you know, you either have to be a pilot or like in the army, you know, there's these I things. I think he's an engineer. So I don't know if that would qualify him to go to space. Like, I mean, it's a crew, right? So yeah. maybe they need an engineer. And I know they do. When they send people to space, they do need people who are engineers. But there's some, there's something, I you know, I can't put my finger on but there's something where you have to have so many years of experience in a very specific field. And, like, I thought it was, like, Army military experience or something. Although, I guess technically they sent a civilian up on Columbia. Yeah. And that them admittedly did not go well but you know it was not because okay. she was a civilian astronaut but. requirements for on oh, this is from nasa.gov a bachelor's degree in engineering biological science physical science computer science or mathematics at least three years of related professional experience wait wait 
Hold on. What? How do you get related to professional experience? To, to be being an, an astronaut, astronaut or yeah. to being an engineer? To being an astronaut. Because... Uh, or a degree of completion, or at least 1,000 hours of pilot in-command time on jet aircraft. Yeah, see, I yep. thought you had to be a pilot or have at least some experience being a pilot in order to go to space. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not making that up. Nope, you I didn't not. bring that through the darkness with me. No, I, I, I like that this is the new system, though. Like, anytime you get anything wrong, you can just be like, listen, that's how it was before the last darkness. Look, I'm from two realities ago. Yes. That's how it was where I came from. <laughs> I'm going to use that for everything yeah, now. Yeah, I think that's the, we figured it out. We have cracked the code. This is why, this is why I know things that I don't know why I know them. Yep, never Bring wrong. In. It's the never wrong theorem. Yep, yes! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's, he, so for some reason he thinks he's going to be an astronaut even though he is not a pilot. Right. Plot I mean, I one. guess, I guess technically maybe he's a pilot and we just never talked about it. I mean, that's true, true. I guess that is I within guess. the realm of possibility, sure. but you'd think that they would bring it up. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, so he's applying to be a pilot and, um, Norma is teaching about, uh, Sart, right? Yeah. To her class. And she gets this one asshole kid who's asking her about her limp and she in, and it just, it, you know, I, it was what, 10 minutes into this movie and he's like, what's wrong with your foot? And I was like, don't show it to him. Don't oh, show it on camera. I know, Don't I show know. it. I know. Oh my god! I totally was watching this, and she started pulling off her shoe. I was like, "Mars is so pissed right now." I, the, I like speaking out loud the whole time. I was just like, "No, no, no, <laughs> no, no!" And this kid is like just egging her on. And then the look on that creepy kid's face was, yeah. Like Super he was blasting off in his pants. Yeah. Yep. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. Good. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who was like, "Oh, that kid. <laughs> He's got ulterior motives yeah. in this moment." He, no one look at his search history. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway, so that horrible moment happened, and and for some reason my brain remembered it. Unlike in what was it, Mercy Black, when I completely blacked out the foot violence stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remembered this one. Um, <laughs> so she has a meeting with the principal, lets her know that their faculty, like, uh, uh, scholarship program is ending, which means that they're not going to be able to afford to keep Walter in the school. So that's her new drama. Um, Arthur is trying to create a prosthetic for her so that she's not in pain when she walks and she won't limp anymore. And then also finds out that he's not going to get to be an astronaut because he failed the psyche valve the psyche valve yeah um all of this red herring city yeah none of this matters <laughs> nope <laughs> so you know then we get some time at home where all of these things are coming together whatever anyway um what i can't remember what his first name is but mr uh, stewart yeah mr stewart shows arlington up stewart. arlington stewart Shows up and explains to them what the deal is with the box. Or he shows up and he explains to Cameron Diaz what the deal is with the box. Mm -hmm. And pays her $100 as like a thanks for letting me in kind of thing. Which if there is a more demon move, I, I haven't right. seen one. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, which leads to a conversation between Norma and Arthur about what they're going to do. I don't know. Arthur's very skeptical. He thinks like, he, he starts out being like, it's not, it's nothing. Like, it's just a button, whatever. And Cameron Diaz is kind of scared of it. 
and keeps thinking like, well, we, you know, we can't, I don't know. It's, it seems, it seemed weird to me because it seemed to start out with Arthur being like, whatever, no big deal. Let's just push it. Blah, blah, blah. It's just a joke. It's, you know, it's, it's a joke that they're going to talk about at this wedding that we, for some reason, don't really explore the basis of. I feel like. I mean, did I miss it when they talk? It's just her sister's wedding. Somehow, all of a sudden, they're talking about a wedding that I didn't catch earlier, and so I was very confused or whatever. But he's very, like, casual about it, and Cameron Diaz is very nervous about it, but ultimately, it's Cameron Diaz who pushes the button, and it's it's Arthur who's saying, like, what if it's someone's baby? What if it's our neighbor? Yeah. Do we really know anyone? And I was starting to get real feelings about, like, oh, yeah, this is why you failed the psych eval. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing it. Um... So they they push the button, they get the million dollars, they like immediately feel guilty about it and try to give it back, but they're like, but because well, he like creepily says like we're gonna reprogram right. it and give it to someone someone that you don't know, which is the end of the the Richard Matheson thing, right? They get the money and then he's like, I it's gonna go to someone you don't know, and it's implied obviously they're gonna die, right? That but, they're next, but we are twenty minutes into the movie and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and we do get a moment that I skipped over where uh, Jeffrey, Karen, the the other guy, is on the phone with his wife, and his wife is upset because, like, someone kidnapped their daughter from the grocery store or whatever, yeah. and they push the button, and then we cut to a 911 call where someone heard a gunshot, and they go in, a woman's been shot, there's a little girl who's locked in a bathroom with a padlock on the outside of yeah. the bathroom, and that's, you know, oh, it's a weird, but it's implied that this woman somehow is the victim from the box pushing button. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's been killed by her husband. Who's now disappeared. Yes. Anyway. So they try to give the money back, but he's already like, you already pushed the button. Someone died. Like done. That's all there is to it. It's, it's done. And, um, after this, we meet Gillian. I can't remember what her last name is now. Uh, the character's name is Dana. Dana. And, uh, she's the babysitter. And the parents are going to, I can't tell, is it a school function? It's like a play they go or something. They a play, yeah. They but there are, to... like, kids in those same school uniforms. Yeah. They're, um, yeah, I don't, but, I don't know. But their son didn't go with them. I don't know, maybe whatever. Because she, she was going as faculty kind of thing. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so they go to an event and they discuss it minorly. I'm not and really again, sure. And again, it's the no escape. Or no exit. No, no. Uh, oh, yeah. No exit, which is what she was teaching in class. Yeah. Uh, and this is, and so, and, oh, wait, no, this is when Dana and Walter, Walter's telling Dana about, oh, like, oh, yeah, my dad has stuff in the, Mars stuff in the basement. It's really, it's really interesting. And meanwhile, Dana sees someone through the window behind Walter who's just, like, standing in the yard but doesn't say anything about it. She seems, like, mildly alarmed, but not too worried and walter's like yeah my dad has all this mars stuff in the basement do you want to see and she goes yeah so they go down there and then she asks a lot of really specific questions for someone who is a babysitter and isn't working for nasa a lot of like how long does it take for the message how do they how do they receive it how does it work tell me more and we see a photo of everybody who was at the colorado testing site we didn't talk about um stewart's face oh yeah so Half well, okay. Here's the thing, is they said that he was like a severe burn victim, and that he like, you know, in the in the opening text, it says that they resuscitated him, severe burns. When we see him, it's like, yeah, it's the bottom corner of his face. You can see his teeth through yeah. the burn flesh, right? It's a bad, bad injury. Yeah. But it 
it's not as extensive as I think I would have assumed having read like extensive, you know, severe burn victim. And then later when we find out that it happened because he was struck by lightning, uh-huh. I feel like there would have been more damage have you ever personally. Seen how but pretty like some people Oh yeah, it's like start- tree of life designs. Yeah. yeah. Those are really pretty actually. I mean, obviously some some lightning strikes are more like burns, but those ones that do the like the tree of like the like shimmery sort of scar is actually yeah. really beautiful. So Norma's sister is getting married and they go to the rehearsal dinner and it's like a big, huge ordeal. Oh, at this point, Stuart has returned. Oh, yeah. I mentioned that Stuart returned, took the box, gave them the money, whatever. They go to the yeah. rehearsal dinner and they're doing like a, a gift raffle kind of yeah. thing. And so Arthur gets called first and he picks like a nondescript brown box which has a picture of Stuart in it pre the kid who was like being creepy about the foot like gives him like the peace sign yeah and he picks the box yeah so there were a couple things it, it so all of the like social events that they go to had such a strange mix of characters that I was having a hard time figuring out what because like this kid who's a student is also a waiter at her sister's rehearsal dinner mm-hmm. they went to that play that had kids in the same uniform from the school her son goes to but her son didn't go yeah and so i was just having a hard time figuring i don't know it was just it just seems strange to me but whatever i guess I ultimately it's, it's, it's explained later because we find out that they're all they're watching him true okay watching them so, yeah, so I guess at this point I was confused why the kid was there, but I guess, you know, it makes sense in the end. And the kid gives him the, the peace sign and is really creepy this evening. Mm-hmm. And um, at this point we've had a few instances where people that Arthur or Norma are, are speaking to suddenly get nosebleeds. And it's just kind of, you know, strange. So um, Norma is pulled away by a waiter who all of a sudden seems to forget why he pulled her away. Like he's, they're walking, she's following him and then his nose starts bleeding. And then he's like, can I help you? And she goes, Oh no, you said I had a call. And he goes, Oh yeah, that's, that's right. It's it's on the phone. And Arthur who had taken down the license plate of Stuart's car had run it past Norma's father. Who's a cop Uh and being like, can you look up this license plate and let me know or whatever. So Norma gets on the phone and it's Stuart who's saying like, so your husband's contacting the police about me. And, my employees are everywhere and that's right. how I know. Yep. And she's kind of like, well, what do we do now? And he's like, well, you're the one who did it. And I think this is when we first get the scene of where Stuart is quote unquote living or staying yeah. or whatever. All of a sudden it's like weird sci-fi. Yeah. So it's this, some sort of, it looks like like an underground bunker. There are like military dudes with guns guarding him there's like water defying gravity and like a weird mm-hmm. circular stream thing it yeah i don't know the movie's really surreal and so it feels like a series of like little vignettes as opposed to like a normal narrative yeah and so it, it doesn't each scene doesn't logically follow the next and you're just kind of like uh so it's easy to get lost yeah Oh, so I guess they go home and Arthur's going to drive Dana home. Yes. And they're in the car and Dana starts saying some really weird stuff. It's stuff that sounds like it could, I mean, it could be innocent, except for there are certain keywords that she uses that pertain to Arthur, you know, where she says, oh, you've got blood on your hands. And he does have blood on his hands, but he takes it as like, you know, a a more metaphorical sense at first because he feels guilty about pushing the button or letting 
Cameron Diaz pushed the button. Yeah. And then she says um, something about, oh, someone pushing your buttons. And, you know, it's that kind of yeah. stuff. And tells him to, and then she gives him a bunch of cryptic messages about looking into the light and yeah. then passes out. Gets a nosebleed, passes out. So he pulls over and inexplicably just immediately starts going through her purse. Right. I don't know what the motivation there. I don't know if he was like, oh, maybe she's got smelling salts in here. But, like, he starts going through her purse and finds her ID. And it turns out her name is Sarah something and that she lives in Boston. And then she wakes up, tells him that, you know, there's only one person who can help him and to look in the mirror, which I don't, I never caught what that meant later. I know there's a moment later where he mm. looks in a mirror, but I didn't understand what the significance. I mean, it's part of the larger theme, right? Like, yeah, maybe it will. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't pick up on it, but anyway, and then she runs off into the night. She tells him that she's staying at this hotel. So she goes to this hotel and people are just like generally creepy where they're all kind of like coming out of their I actually rooms. really liked this scene where as she's walking down the hall, just like door after door after door opens. Yeah. With like these people like scowling at her. Cause at this point we have no idea what the fuck is happening in this movie. It's just getting stranger and stranger. And these, these little moments and there's one later in a library I actually really like. Yeah, so they're coming out of the rooms, they're glaring at her, but they're not chasing her or whatever, and she seems somewhat upset, and she ends up in a room where there's, like, a map with, like, the string and pin configuration, where it's, like, connecting yeah. locations and whatnot. Um, Arthur goes home and asks uh, Norma where where exactly he met Dana, or where she met Dana and all this, and how it doesn't add up and everything. What happens at this point, the story starts to unravel. We actually start seeing things from the perspective of uh steward and uh people at the at nasa that reporter lady finds her right in the grocery store and she starts like really quickly like look this up don't trust anyone not even your husband and then her nose bleeds and she passes out and they have to call an ambulance and meanwhile um arthur has met up with norma's father who says like oh yeah that car is a government issue vehicle for nsa and he sees stuff just laying out about that previous murder and he asks to be taken to that house where the he manual finds... is super creepy because it's like what does the manual say human it's like human resource. resource it was h-r-e-m so he sees a photo of this manual thing and he takes the photo because he thinks that there's there's like a number there's numbers written and he thinks that they're um like library book yeah id number you know, what are they called uh, Dewey Decimal System. Yeah. So they both end up at the same library, unbeknownst to each other, right? Right. And Cameron Diaz finds her numbers for a uh, film reel, his numbers for a book called The Lightning Book, and inside of it he finds an article about someone having been struck by lightning at this NASA base, and she gets footage of the aftermath, basically. It's like, you know, from the location where the person was struck by lightning, and it shows all the the burn marks and stuff yeah and then it cuts to some sort of like event like some sort of press conference or something where we get a close-up of steward before he got struck by lightning um meanwhile arthur's being followed out of the library yes. by people who are matching his pace it's yeah. like if he walks they walk if he walks faster, they walk faster. In, yeah yeah and mm -hmm. there's a few times where he picks up the pace and kind of jogs a few steps and then goes back to speed walking and they do the same thing where they pick up the pace when he picks up the pace and then slow back down when he slows back down. So they're not so much chasing him as they're just kind of either following or hurting him. Yes. And he makes it to a doorway where this woman comes out, just bathed in light. And for a minute I was like, Oh, it's 
the light she was talking about, maybe? I mean, kind of. I guess. And it turns out to be Stuart's wife. And she brings him into a room with these three, like, boxes on the ground. And she says he has to pick a gateway. And that Stuart's doing... He's testing everybody, right? Yeah. Um, I actually am feeling like this cuts back and forth between that conversation that Stuart has with the NASA guy. Yeah, I think so. Where he talks about how, um, you know, he was struck by lightning and now he communicates with the, the ones who make the lightning. His employers. His yeah. employers. And how they're testing the human race to see if they can overcome their own, like, greed in order to yeah. preserve each other and if they fail then his employers will have a hand in expediting their extinction mm. and all this and that he's getting ready to leave to go to massachusetts for the next test or whatever um somewhere along the way we have a con i can't i don't think i ever knew what either of these two dudes names are the two that are friends with arthur at yeah. nasa yeah. it's like tall guy who i think was on veep at one point and then yeah. short bald guy and um, they have a conversation about how Stewart died, like mm -hmm. he was struck by lightning and died. And then a few hours after they brought him to the morgue, he was alive again, but he was changed. And he stopped, you know, his cell degeneration stopped and he healed super fast. And now he's something else. And he, you know, I don't know. Now we're getting all these pieces of the puzzle that he's, you know, not human. We get a, oh, I don't know if this when this happens but we get a weird phone call with norma where she's like can i meet you face to face and he's like i'm already there i'm watching you from yeah the... that part is actually really creepy. it was really creepy i'm watching you from the backyard and it's a dude who's totally not steward just staring at her yeah. through the window mm -hmm. so now we're getting the sense of like hive mind like stewards yeah. you know controlling all these people or whatever um anyway so mrs steward is telling arthur he needs to pick a gateway <clears throat> excuse me in what we'll later learn is called the water coffin triptych, which yeah. is the creepiest, the yeah. creepiest title because yeah. in my head, all water is already a coffin, but yes. I never put those words together <clears throat> like that. Now you know. <sighs> water coffin triptych. And he chooses the second one because he keeps getting the, the peace sign from people. And so I think he was taking it as a sign to choose the second gateway. Yeah. And... As if I wasn't already a little bit lost this whole time, I think I kind of got a little bit lost here. Yeah. Because, so then Norma ends up at home somehow, right? Or no, she meets with Stuart. She meets with Stuart in the library. They have and they're a conversation, talking. yeah. And he says, what did you feel when you first saw me? And, she, and he keeps, like, answering for her. It's not even like she says, I felt, and then, like, a pause. And then he's like pity she's like i felt pity I'm like let the lady and finish her sentence okay jesus Jeez. she's gonna answer you just give her a set you know like it's not <laughs> even like she's pausing she's just like and anyway so she says that she felt love for him because she also has a deformity but it's not on her face and so when she saw his deformity it made her realize like what it would be like to have all that pain so obvious and you know and so yeah yeah I know the message she was trying to give, I don't know if it was supposed to be condescending, but it felt really condescending. Also, this movie uh, has, or I don't know if the director himself, but the movie, the way it's written, has some real, not so great ideas about disability. Yeah. The it disability has some not real great. rough. There are several not real great 
themes in this movie. Yeah. What about women? Not good yeah. stuff about women in this? Yeah, I have some thoughts about that Which later. Which is kind of interesting because, like, apparently the, the um, Cameron Diaz and James Marsden characters are modeled after the director's parents. Ouch. Including she has, she has like, a, a foot thing. Yikes. Right? <laughs> I was like, this is not a very loving portrait. No. There's I some... mean, it definitely has something to say, but it's not nice. <laughs> no. No, ma'am. No. Sorry. Continue. Anyway, so we have a moment where it looks almost like Stuart is kind of changing his mind about how, like, it seems like he he started out thinking like, oh, yeah, the humans are always going to change, you know, choose the money. This is just a failed, you know, they're, they're going to be awful. And it seems almost like we're having a moment where he's seeing like, oh, wait, there are good people. Right. Except for that doesn't mean anything. No, there's no actual consequence to the scene, even though it feels like it, there's all this import placed on it. Like maybe he's like, I misunderstood. Like they're, they're having this real connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maybe they were, but it certainly didn't change his mind about anything. No. So then he asks to shake her hand. She immediately passes out. And this is where this weird transportation moment happens where she wakes up on her bed and Arthur's floating in the weird water above her. And then she touches it and he falls. And then there's just a bunch of water and they're both home. Yeah. And also Walter's there. And I don't know. Then they go to a wedding. Because <laughs> they're like, that was weird, but we can't miss this wedding. I'm a bridesmaid. So they go to this wedding. They have some weird moments. Uh, Arthur feels like he's going to be sick, so he runs outside. Norma and Walter are kidnapped. Yeah. Walter's taken at gunpoint by Jeffrey, the guy who murdered his wife earlier. Yeah. And Jeffrey starts explaining to him some of this stuff meanwhile throughout the whole movie there's like a radio or a tv constantly playing in the background that's constantly talking about life on other planets yeah and it's never like really addressed by the characters in their dialogue but it's supposed to be there we're supposed to be picking up on the fact that everybody's talking about life on other planets yeah and jeffrey gives him that the human resources something manual thing and that's where we get the really fun phrase of water coffin triptych and whatnot (laughs) and uh arthur's flipping through it and he's seeing all sorts of stuff about you know psychological experiments and 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 whatnot and jeffrey says that he murdered his wife for his daughter because he had to choose yeah and that steward has kidnapped norma and walter but he knows where they're being held so he's taking him there and then they almost hit Santa Claus and yeah. instead are hit by a snowplow. Mm-hmm. And then Norma's dad is at the scene because he's a cop. And they he's like, anybody else in the truck? And they're like, nope, he's the only one. And so we don't really know which one he's talking about, right? Because they only found one dude, but they don't name him. Except for immediately after we're at the hangar, right? Which for some reason now the military is aiming guns at. And I don't, I, maybe I missed something. Well, I think that the implication is that the military, or sorry, the government and the aliens are like working together to, like the NSA is allowing the experimentation to continue. So they are kind of working together. Right. But why were all the guns pointed at the hangar? Uh, maybe they didn't know he was, who was going to come out. I don't know. Maybe because it looked But why cool? did they know anyone was going to come out? I don't know. 
I'm so confused by this movie. Like, we don't get any sort of like, oh, there's been activity at this empty hangar. Or No, I don't know. It's just all of a sudden we cut to a hangar we've never been to before that is brightly lit and lightning is striking around it. And everybody's aiming their guns at it for some reason. Well, maybe, yeah. Well, maybe it's like a situation where that's like where everybody ends up. Where they just like, shoot the lightning, it's back. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know, but the door is open, someone comes out, and it turns out to be Arthur, somehow. And they drag him out, and then Tall Friend gives him this really weird cryptic message about, like, whatever happens to you now is... It, it, you, it will not be able to compare it to what happens to... I don't know. Yeah. I got mixed up in the puzzle on that one. Yeah. But he gives him some, and which was also confusing because the last time we saw him, everything was being explained to him. Yeah. And now somehow he has such a deep knowledge of what's going on that he's able to give this really cryptic message. Yeah. To Arthur. Yeah. And again, I don't even know how they got to, well, like, why everybody was at the hangar. I don't know. I feel like a scene was cut out somewhere yeah. and they were like, it's fine. It'll just connect. And it didn't because I yeah. got real confused. I mean... That's me from, like, minute, 20 minute, like, the 20 minute mark on. I'm like, what is even happening? Yeah. So then, because then somehow we go from there to Arthur and Norma being dropped off at home. Yeah. And without Walter. And I don't know. I don't really understand. So I mean, they had Walter at the hotel. Yeah. And they took him into the pool. Yeah. And then... Now we're at home. Well, I think with... he went through the pool. It's like the in-between space that James Marster talks about. And in the in-between place, they did whatever they did to him. Yeah. And then deposited him into that bathtub. That's why he's, like, in a bathtub. But somehow they also, like, Arthur was transported from car crash to random hangar. And then they just gave him a ride home. Like, they were aiming guns at him. And then they're just, like, dropping him off at home. And also, even though Stewart took Norma... We're also just going to drop her off at home. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm probably trying to figure things out that can't be figured out. No, I don't think so. I think I'll so, let that go. So they get home and Stuart's sitting at the table and he's telling them that now they can make this decision. Walter can no longer see or hear and they can either take the million dollars and live with their son and work it out or Arthur can shoot Norma. Yes. And then Walter will be fine. Yeah. But Arthur will go to jail, Norma will be dead, and the money will go into, like, a a trust for Walter. Wow. So now we have all these conversations about, like, that can't be the only way. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And you can't kill me and blah, blah, blah. And they find out Walter's in the bathroom upstairs. They're trying to talk to him, even though he can't see or hear. They decide to shoot Norma. Yep. And then... The box has moved on to someone else at this point, so yep. we get glimpses of the other couple. And again, the wife pushes the button. Jeffrey's wife pushed the button. Yeah. I think that's the, that's not a coincidence, right? That, like, with the two that we see plus the one that we see dead, all all they all push the button. And, like, both the women we saw did it, like, impulsively. And Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's here's my feelings on this. Yeah. Is that I fully understand this movie was made 10 years ago and y- no one would get away with making that movie now. Right. But even 10 years ago, like 
There's some weird... for Just it's... because Moses got cheated on and wrote Genesis doesn't mean that we have to keep rewriting the woman is downfall of man story. It's yeah. tired. <laughs> I get it, guys. You get mad. I get it. But it's yeah. old news. Right. I've heard it. I've heard it. Yeah. Agree. Like, that, between that and the disability stuff, I was like, there's a lot about this movie I like, but, like, it just leaves, like, a gross taste in your mouth at the end. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that disability stuff where Cameron Diaz was like, I would rather die. Rather die than have my son. And have my son go to, or my father go to prison. It would be worse for him to have no parents than for the kid to be dis- disabled. Right. Oh, not great. Not not a good color on you, Cameron Diaz. And the number of times they refer to her foot and her face as disfigurements. Just like, yeah. Ugh, and like how she loves him because she doesn't have to live his horrible life of having her his disfigurement visible. I was just like, wow. Maybe that's what that moment was. Maybe it wasn't him realizing like, oh, there are good people. It was him realizing like, oh, you're a bigger bitch than I thought. That makes more sense because <laughs> I was like, I think it was it was meant to be like this. I responded with love. But it was like a gross moment. Maybe you're right. Maybe the takeaway, like it's presented that way, but like his takeaway as someone who's judging mankind is to be like, wow. Like, I was not wrong. Confirmed. Bias confirmed. Yeah. I, so, things I liked about this movie. I loved, the, like, the 70s setting. Like, the wallpaper in this movie yeah. is next level amazing. Like, I love, especially the wallpaper that's in their kitchen. They spent a lot of time in this sort of, like, geometric, like, 70s, 3-2-1 contact, like, wallpaper that's so exciting and I love it. Um, I love the, um, all of the set design is really good. All of the costuming is really good. Cameron Diaz looks beautiful in this movie. Um, her accent and her acting, less into that. Oh, that accent was Ooh. rough. Ooh, it was rough stuff. Um, I loved every time they got a little Body Snatchers-esque and we had like the people who were like moving in unison or staring <laughs> at him. There were some really creepy moments with that and some actually genuine scares. Like when he's walking through the library and everybody's like turning and you can hear like people turning. Like there's that shuffle noise as each row of person turns and faces them. I thought it was really, really cool. And I liked that it sort of had, there were moments that were almost like Stanley Kubrick-esque. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely got that too. Like, I think the in terms of, like, the last two movies we watched, we were like, they were fine. They were competent, competently made, but there was, like, no visual flair. There was no visual voice. Uh, there was no visual language. And I think this movie, on the other hand, really did. I have major issues with with uh plot and with the stuff with like disability and stuff but visually i thought this movie was actually really great yeah um, even the, the 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 water or the water coffin triptych was really creepy like when he's floating above her inside yeah. the water still is really a cool visual moment and then the way that the water just splashes down it reminded me a lot of like the the red like splashing in um the shining yeah 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 me too so we got that, we got the moment where he's like traveling between worlds and it's very like space odyssey. Um, and there was like another shining moment where like uh, she's standing, looking out in the library and she's like looking over a balcony and the camera's like doing that slow, like 70s zoom into mm-hmm. her. Like all that stuff I really liked. I think he has a very, very skilled like eye. 
for sure. Um, I loved all the sort of like shot composition, all that jazz. It's truly like plot based. And I feel like he's working some shit out in this movie and I don't like it's troubling stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I'll say is as much as I didn't necessarily end up loving this movie, I did kind of enjoy having that expectation sort of like kneecapped over and over and over through this movie like every time i thought i knew what the movie was it would take a turn on me and so for the two hours that i watched it i was never bored i never looked at my phone i was like it kept me off like balance i was like on my back foot through the whole movie and i do appreciate that because i feel like you between you and i we've seen so many movies to be caught off by guard by a movie like it's oh, yeah, always no, amazing yeah Like, I, you know, like, there are very few movies where I don't kind of at some point go, like, okay, I know where this is going. And it might go a little left, a little right, and we have a little twisty twist at the end. But, like, to just go through the whole movie and never be able to figure out where we are until the very end is an accomplishment in and of itself. That being said, I didn't love it. I thought it was, it had some problems. What about you? I don't know that I would recommend this to anyone. I would recommend it with, like, really like a lot of caveats like oh you are someone who thinks you've seen everything and you enjoy like filmmaking this is a good movie for you i don't even think i'd recommend it then no it's just it just felt i mean yeah visually there was a lot going on that i thought was really good and really well thought out and really well planned Mm -hmm. but i think the plot was just so convoluted yeah that it just wanted to be too many things and it you know and we talked about this last time about sometimes when you get that idea that you love and then as you develop a story more you realize it doesn't fit anymore but you try to force it there anyway and i kind of got that feeling where someone got so many ideas and they wanted to do all the ideas and they didn't want to cut anything even though it was like getting to be a bit much because then we have a bunch of these conversations that lead nowhere you know like he talks about like oh yeah now i'm employed by the ones who make the lightning is that aliens is it god is it demons what i could be any of these things like we want to think aliens because it's funny you say that i watched it with my partner and he was sure that it was um spiritual and i was like no it's obviously aliens like, we were both very sure we knew the answer. And Which is funny because it's opposite of what would normally happen where Randy would normally right? be the one who's aliens and you're normally the one. It's spiritual. Like, I'm like, no, it's Martians. And he's like, no, no, no. It's it's like God. And I was like, he's like, that's he's like that's why all the no exit stuff. It's about hell. It's about whether or not and like whether and, she, and being in purgatory and stuff. And I was like, no, it was aliens. And they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to nuke mankind. Yeah, well, I am, I, well, if it helps, I'm exactly in the middle where I really? can't decide if I think it's aliens <laughs> or if it's God. Amazing. Someone put your thumb on the scale. <laughs> I'm right in that fence like it's my job. Because, <laughs> and I mean, like, initially, so before even any of the weird stuff happened, and I found out that Arthur worked at NASA, I was like, oh, it's going to be aliens. I'm just joking. It's not going to be aliens. And then, like, you know, 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God, is it aliens? And then 50 yeah. minutes after that, I was like, or is it aliens? And then six hours after that, because that's how long this movie felt, <laughs> I was like, oh, is it God? And then two days later, I was like, it could be either. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's aliens. 
That's where I come down. Aliens feels but like you the more could, obvious answer. But, but you could make a case. You could argue me out of that position. Like, as much as I'm stridently saying that right now, like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I guess that's the, that's intentionally left ambiguous, which is fine. I don't mind intentional ambiguity. Yeah. But, um. And in this case, that would be the smallest issue. You know what I think it is, is it feels like a really pretentious, um, take on some, like, pretty obvious ideas like does mankind deserve to move forward or are we are we greedy like you know do we deserve to continue as a race like these are not like these are presented in a way that's like really like let's dig into the nuance of this and do you really know someone but really these are kind of like stoned thoughts right well and like you know how arthur's whole i failed in a psychological evaluation or whatever and then he says some creepy psychological stuff and then later nothing none of it matters came of it but that kind of is where i think maybe the the and like the the god and angels kind of angle comes in because yeah you know it was about human psyche and then the fact that norm is teaching sart in the beginning but and i mean you know maybe it's pagan gods maybe it was thor he did make a lot big deal yeah about the, the lightning, oh, you know? it's the norse gods oh damn because they have a purgatory don't they i mean i would imagine because it's like the good the valkyries take the good warriors to valhalla but everybody else stays on the battlefield right isn't that i know the valhalla part i don't actually oh let's see here uh nephilim is one of the nine worlds Look at us. Look at us learning shit. <laughs> um, a realm of... Perm- I mean, you know, the, me- the thing is, I'm immediately thinking of video games now. I'm like, oh, right. They did go to Nephilim and God of War. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Facts! <laughs> yes. Um, there's a lot of words I can't pronounce here. Between... Okay, so Nephilim is ice. With frozen rib- with the frozen rivers of Elgavar and Hermurvagr. Yeah, I think I did that right. Nailed it. Yeah, um, that sounded Norse. Th- let's see here. Then there's Nephilim was the second of two primordial realms. The one being Misselheim, the realm of fire. And between those two realms of cold and heat, creation began where the waters mix. <sighs> Nothing about purgatory that I'm seeing. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything because I don't know any of these words. I'm I'm kind of falling in love with this idea that it's Thor. This says, Chosen by Odin, half of those who die in combat travel to Valhalla upon death led by Valkyries, while the other half go to the goddess Freya's field, Folkvangar. Oh. But I don't know what Folkvangar is. I'm guessing that's some sort of, like, you didn't make it to God, or make it to... You weren't chosen by you weren't chosen by Odin to go to Valhalla, right? And then the other way is Helheim, right? So I guess yeah, we can call that purgatory. Why not? Okay, so decided it is Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I like this movie so much more now. (laughs) Oh yeah, that makes sense. And so like he just like the lightning came down the rainbow bridge and bam. Here we go. So then all the people, like Dana, were they the chosen who got to go to Valhalla then? Well, I'm wondering, like, the gate to, like, the gate to, you know, the Rainbow Bridge gate, maybe it's those water coffins. So, 
Spoiler, this movie's about Thor. What? <laughs> we cracked the code! And all the mindless drones are actually the glorious warriors going to Valhalla. Holy shit. <laughs> we cracked this code. Oh, but then also, you know, at the end when he shoots Norma and he's like, didn't he seem like he was smiling when we mentioned an afterlife? So that was the other thing that made me think God oh. or religion or whatever. Because they think he gave them a hint that they could meet up in the afterlife, which I guess could also be Valhalla or Fulkvanger. Yeah. Or Helheim. They did push the button. Yeah, that's true. Holy shit. I, I can't believe. I love this theory. It is all Norse mythology. That's the Norse- actual. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that changes everything. Do you now love it? I kind of love it now. (laughs) All right. I recommend this to everyone. 10 out of 10. We'll watch again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. So if you were to watch this again, what would you, I mean, I think the obvious answer is, I have an obvious answer now for what you would drink, but what would you drink? Is it vodka? No, no, no. Is it vodka out of a ram's horn? 50%. Yes. It's. Meat out of a yeah, ring. Ding, yes! ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I feel like that's I, I don't want to take your sommelier role, but that I was No, say I that. think that's it. My only my only th- the only thing I would add, I think, is it would be um a shot of vodka with a chaser of meat out of a ram's horn. Fair enough. Why the vodka? Because it doesn't make sense and neither does this movie. <laughs> awesome okay all right so we didn't get any feedback this episode but we do love to hear from you so if you have some thoughts on this if you feel like we totally have unfairly maligned this movie because honestly i could totally understand what people who love this movie would really love this movie um Um, i would only totally understand if they agree that it's about thor yeah true yeah no i mean that did change everything yeah you know? it really did change everything so <laughs> but yeah anyway we'd love to hear from you for whatever reason you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can hit us up on the facebook and if you are enjoying the show please do leave us an itunes review it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside but only if it's five stars okay <laughs> so mars you are on deck for the next pick do you have any idea what you want to do I do. So I am going to deviate from Netflix again Ooh, for the second time. Scandalous. I'm going back to the Amazon Prime. Okay. So for those of you who don't have Amazon Prime, I'm very sorry. But you could find a way. Um, I'm picking a movie that I have seen, but Rachel, I believe you have not, I right? have not, no. Okay. So it's called The Dark, and it's about a flesh-eating girl who's living in the woods where she was murdered. Mysteries. And then she finds an abused kid inside of the trunk of a car. And then things happen from there. I like the sound of that. Um, I have seen it already. So I do have like a minor trigger warning to give that there is a scene that has some sexual violence. So just a fair warning. Um, But it's only one scene. It's not very long. It is present though. So I just thought I should say something just in case. (laughs) Good looking out, Mars. Look at you taking good <laughs> care of our audience. It's like you care about them or something. I try every once in a while. All right. Well, take us out. Thanks for coming back. Uh, watch the dark. And we uh, we hope you'll come back next time. And hopefully you all did not catch the technology play. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.
I'm going to be in a bunker, so if you want to join oh, me. Oh, yeah. I know. Matilda and I have, like, we, we promised that we're going to Golden Girls it up. Like, when we're old, we're going to, like, have a place together. and or... That or my fake haunted house. Yeah, that's, that's my other plan. It's not even, like, an A or a B. It's just, like, a whichever one works out first. Yeah. Yeah. Are you thinking you want like a like a bed and break a haunted bed and breakfast? No, the house where I I live in and everybody thinks it's like on the edge of town. Everybody thinks I'm a witch. Oh, I see. It's hard. It's confusing because you currently live in a haunted house, right? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, you're gonna turn into a B and B. What's happening? No, no, this house is far too close to town for it to work. I'd have to find something on the outskirts of a small town, right? I you know like, I you don't... want to have the door that people dare kids to go and tag right yeah, yeah I want yeah, like yeah, you yeah. remember in the village how all the the kids like the rite of passage was to stand on that stump with their back to the woods yeah like I want my house to be the the woods in that scenario I, I want feel like kids... that's a totally achievable dream for you I know I really think I can commit to that <laughs> I have one of my uh one of my best friends from high school is you know this is a plan we came up with years ago we were like yeah if we're you know that's how we should end our lives out there and then we we're like the funny thing is, is that all these kids will be like oh my god they're in there like communing with the devil and really we're like netflixing and just like walking past windows every once in a while <laughs> just to like maintain maintain the illusion but really we're like netflixing and you need to internet-y. just have some like puppets in the window you know like you just pull a string and it's like uh, yeah, uh, yep. you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like it i like it yeah <laughs> i'm into that i would totally do that we'll get a big that way we can get a big place we can you know and then we can do shifts, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, well, my oh, shift. It's my spooking shift. Yeah. You know, you just got to walk around and, like, flutter some sh- curtains and, like, pop in and out of windows and stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, we'll have to work long hours during the, the peak season of summer. Yeah. And October. October's we get a lot of traffic in October. Yeah. But we could basically take December off. I don't think anybody's yeah. thinking about that in December. Right? <laughs> they're, yeah. Unless they're trying to, like, if they think Krampus lives there. Oh, right. Hmm. We'll have to think about that. We'll we'll, we'll run it up with the marketing department. See what yeah. They think. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you that the week after you guys came to visit, my car got infested with spiders? No. Oh yeah. No. The timing was perfect because you know you guys had come and gone, but it was like a week later. I went out into my car to like grocery shop or something, and it was just full of spider webs. Like I didn't see any live spiders, but there was cobwebs everywhere. Yeah. That's. Yeah, you don't need to see them. They're there, obviously. It was, it was bad. It was, like, one of those, like, I had to open all the doors and, like, broomstick handle, wipe all the cobwebs out, and then just wait and be, like... And the whole time I was driving to the grocery store after that, I was like, I swear to God, if anything crawls out of these vents... <sighs> uh, yeah, see, that's how I die. Like, today's the day, friend. <laughs> we did what we set out to do. Yes. Now I'm gonna get gin drunk. Yes! <laughs> Let me stop.